What's going on gamers? Welcome back to The Graveyard. I'm The Graveyard Gamer and thank you for joining me for this episode of Graveyard Gaming. Now in today's episode I want to talk about the Assassin's Creed Infinity Rumor. We know that this is a game that is going to come out at some point in the next several years but there's a lot of rumors around it and how it's going to work and I want to talk about my three steps that I think they need to take that could actually make this a success. I want to talk about my focal game of the month, Mad Max and the Graveyard Shift. And then I want to talk about that challenge that Hulking Yoda over at Lost at Sea Gaming, a gaming podcast right here on Anchor, challenged me with last week. And that's going to be interesting because it led me to a different game as well. And this week, we are also going to do the Trophy of the Month. So with that being said, let's jump in and let's talk about what I think those three important steps are for Assassin's Creed Infinity. So gamers, what exactly is Assassin's Creed Infinity? Now, we know in some way that Ubisoft have confirmed that they are working on this game. It has obviously not been announced. We don't know any of the details. We also know that there is a rumor that we're still going to get at least one more traditional Assassin's Creed game, much like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Assassin's Creed Origins, or maybe one of the other ones. So Infinity is a little bit farther down the road. However, the big twist with Infinity is it's going to kind of follow that games-as-a-service model. I think the game that is most like it that's out right now is probably Crystal Dynamics Avengers, maybe something like Ghost Recon, which also Ubisoft has worked on as well. However, I think it's going to be completely different than both of those games. I think what they're going to do is they're going to mimic that title screen to Assassin's Creed Unity. If you haven't played Unity in a while, the first time you load the game up, you actually see a screen. And in that screen, because you're quote-unquote a gamer that's going to jump into the Animus to play a game, and you have your choice to pick. And you'll see other games. Like you'll see the setting for Assassin's Creed 4. You'll see different cities we've never been to in Assassin's game yet. And ultimately, yes, you would see Paris that you're actually able to click and go into. Now, here's the trick of it. I think that is actually what's going to happen with Infinity. I think when you load it up for the first time, you'll see whatever the first city is. And you'll be able to go in there and play. And then as they release new cities over time, you'll start seeing more options to jump into. But there are three steps that I think... Ubisoft has got to pay attention to when they go to release this. I think there are three main items that could really turn fans off if they go about this wrong, or three things that can make people go, yo, Ubisoft is doing this right, and they can have a guaranteed success with this franchise for the long term. Now, let's talk about that first step. The first step is it has to be a full story. When they release a city, and in my opinion, it should be a city. We should go back before the reboot that they did with Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. And I think they should go back to the size of Syndicate or Unity. And the reason I say those two is those were nice-sized cities. They don't necessarily have to be quite as big as Unity. Syndicate, I think, had a great size. However, it just has to be a good-sized city. For me, each of the cities that come out, I think, have got to be at least 15 hours to complete. I don't really think they should go past 20 hours because I think they need to be kind of condensed, and I'll get to that here in a little bit. But I think you should get about a 15-hour story, and it's got to be a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's got to be a good-sized city. We can't just get a couple blocks. We need a good city. It's got to go back to that assassin aspect of you're in the city, and the story is telling who this assassin is, what's going on with the city, because let's be real, the city and where they're at is as much of the story of Assassin's Creed as the character themselves. So in 15 hours, I think we should definitely be able to get a good story out of it. I think they should also incorporate things like side activities, if you will. But I think they should be done in the way of world events from Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where they're not overdone. They're not extremely long. If you went back to 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Some of those side quests would take forever to do. I loved how Valhalla was. A few minutes with each one. I think they should do that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you're looking at between 15 to 20 hours. You got a good-sized city. You got great gameplay. You got a well-done story that's going to keep you invested. I think that is absolutely important because if you have anything less than 15 hours to run through, you're going to start to go, okay, what was the point of this? If you go too long, you're going to get into my next point. And my next step is, and this is very important, I think they should release no more than two a year. And I think they should come out in April and October. And I know two a year doesn't seem like a lot, but here's why I say two a year. Two a year allows you as the gamer to fully explore this city, fully explore the side content, complete the story. And also, let's be real, I know Ubisoft shouldn't worry about this, but they need to. It allows gamers to finish Assassin's Creed, Tokyo, or whatever city they're in, and go off and play some other games, get a nice break from the game. And six months later, oh look, here comes another city I can play. And they can jump back in that world and have fun. Because I think what happens is if you start to sit there and put three a year, well, I can tell you myself, by the time that I get through these cities, especially if they're longer than 20 hours to do everything, especially if they release other items like DLC and updates, you're going to spend so long in the city, you may not want to jump to the next one. And you start pushing things back. And what happens? Let's say you push back the next city. Let's say the first one is Tokyo. The second one is Gunsan in Korea for whatever reason. And you go, you know what, I'm going to have to skip this one. i got to wait just a little bit. There's some other games I want to play. Or I'm just not ready to jump back into Assassin's Creed at the moment. So you don't get to it. Well, then next thing you know, another one drops. And you're going, okay, well, now I've got two to catch up with. It could lead you to getting done with it. It could also lead gamers to getting burned out with Assassin's Creed. Because let's be real. Why did Unity have such a bad reputation? Look, I know everybody talks about the launch. And yes, the launch had its issues, but I'll tell you what, I played Unity about four months after it released. I had two minor glitches that, you know what, a simple restart took care of them. And it was a great game, but people overlook it. The only reason people really harped on Unity and jumped at it when they did is because people were getting bored with Assassin's Creed, honestly. Like, they were just getting tired of a new release. I mean, think about it like this. The first game comes out in 2007, and some people like myself and Hulk and Yoda, we both loved it. We both got into it. Two years later, we got Assassin's Creed 2, and that's when the world loved this series. And then a year later, we were like, what? We're getting another game. We get Brotherhood Sweet. A year later, we got Revelations, and we're kind of looking around going, damn, another one so quick? People were kind of just getting overplayed with it. The Assassin's Creed games had become oversaturated with that yearly release. So think about if they're going to start releasing cities multiple times a year. You have to be careful with that. I think two a year allows it to stay fresh. It allows them to kind of add to those stories and i'll get to that part in a second but it also allows you to kind of jump back in there have some fun with it i kind of look at the hitman model when they released hitman 1 back in 2016 when they went to that world assassination trilogy if you look at how they did that where you got like one level every month or so you really got to dive in and really take advantage of that now i'm looking at a bigger scale here than those hitman levels but it's still the same thing i think there has to be space between them because I think that, man, that oversaturation is a real threat Ubisoft has to be careful with. Another thing is, the reason I said April and October is you get a spring and you get a fall. Plus, you also get a little bit of wiggle room. Say you can't put it out till May, great. You're not really going too close to the next one in October. Say, at the end of the year, you just can't put it out in October. You can push it to November and you're still not close enough to the April release. 
I think that's the best way to do it. It puts enough space in there. It also allows, again, going back to this because I'm a realist and I will say this, if I play through it in October, say it takes me through the end of November to finally get through those 15 to 20 hours just because you never know what life's going to do. I get some games for Christmas. I get a chance to play those games and get excited to jump back into Assassin's Creed come April. Now, my third step to this, and this is a big one. This is absolutely crucial. And that is the pricing of this. Because I'm going to tell you what, gamers, if they were going to release a city for 60 bucks, you get one for me a year. I mean, I just can't afford, honestly, to constantly be spending money in Assassin's Creed when there's so many other games I do want to play. I think 60 bucks would be a lot for any company to expect multiple times a year. On top of that, I just don't think it's realistic. And I think ultimately what happens is you kind of go with what I talked about earlier where people go, okay, well, I'll get one. The second one, yeah, I just kind of played that. I don't really think I need to spend money on another one right this minute. And the next thing you know, they skip one, they skip two. Uh-oh, when are they getting back into the series? So I do think it's an issue. But here's how I would handle that. I would charge these. I would do what I would say an Animus, an Animus update for the year, if you will, right? Because you're jumping into the Animus. You can buy a pack for 50 bucks. That's 25 bucks for each city. And that is for both cities that are going to drop that year. I think that is a fair price. Or you can buy them city by city. Say you, you don't really care about the second one. Maybe they're going to do something really cool and the first city this year is going to be Tokyo. The second city is them going back to the first game and kind of revisiting some stuff. And But you don't care about that. You just want that first one. Cool. 30 bucks. You get it. That little $5 per city is not really going to matter. But that $10 I think kind of goes a big way. 50 bucks for two good cities I think is awesome if you buy the pack. That also allows them to do a season pass. So year one season pass. And it's going to cover all the extra stuff that comes out for those two cities in that year. So Tokyo and the Assassin's Creed 1. Imagine, you know, some extra DLC missions. Imagine some a little bit of an expansion. Nothing too crazy, but just a little bit of an expansion. I think you could sell each one of the yearly season passes for 20 bucks. That way you're charging 70 to 80 bucks for consumers for a year's worth of Assassin's Creed content. Gamers, I'm down with that. I think that is very fair, especially when I've already told you, I really think the cities and the stories and all that, they need to be a good size, but I'm, I'm thinking 15 hours is that, that sweet spot for the multiple releases in a year. And I think 70 to $80 is a great price for that. Now I will say, I don't expect this, but it would be cool if they did release some free stuff, like how Assassin's Creed Valhalla has the festivals, the tombs, the little things like that. I think that would be awesome if they did include that as free DLC, every once in a while for each cities, and then just the bigger items would be the things you pay for, like the bigger quest lines and stuff they're going to add to it. I think that would be really cool. Plus, I like the idea of, say they do go back to Assassin's Creed 1, I would actually be really curious some of the way that they kind of reimagined the city and the story and made it work. I'd be down with it. And then if like, hey, we're going to show you some of these gaps in times you didn't see with Altair, and we're going to show you how he does stuff. Man, I would be more than happy to buy a season pass to see that stuff play out. Just like I'd be more than happy to see, you know, an assassin in Tokyo and past his story, especially if I liked him or her, where they went with it. So these are all cool things. Again, three steps, man. You put a story that's got a beginning, middle, and end with each release around 15 hours. You do it twice a year, and you only charge about $25 to $30 per city and I think you got a winning combination and I would be extremely excited every year to know that I get two awesome cities to explore. So gamers let's talk about my graveyard shift and I've got to tell you this week it has really mostly been about Mad Max. 
you know what, gamers, this is just the kind of game that I like. I really didn't expect to like the game as much as I have. I have absolutely loved my time with it. I'm right under the 20-hour mark at this point, but it doesn't feel like 20 hours. I've done so much stuff. And you know what's funny is when I look the game up, a lot of times I'll look up and just see how many missions are in a game. Not that I want to fly through it, but just to kind of get an idea. And I was kind of shocked by the lack of main missions in this game. But once you start playing it and you realize, wow, upgrading is a really big part of it. So you want to do the side events and side activities in the world. And what I love is none of these take a long time. Even taking over a fortress, once you kind of get the hang of it, you can get in there. You can have fun with the amazing combat. You can do all the cool stuff. And you get done 20 minutes or so. All the little other side stuff like scavenging and finding these little scavenging points and different things like that. You can get done with those in a matter of minutes. So it's a lot of stuff. It does keep you busy, but none of it feels like it bogs you down. And what happens is you end up just kind of really being able to upgrade yourself and your car. And the next thing you know, you're going, wow, it's actually been a while since I actually did a main story. And that's kind of where I'm at. I've kind of completed the first area. And I'm getting ready to go into the next main area of the game. I'm excited to see where that takes me. But again, I've just really enjoyed this. I do love an open world game. I love an open world game that's got good combat. I'll be honest with you, I was somewhat nervous about a game that focused on car combat because ultimately I've never really been a big fan of a game that involves a lot of driving and stuff, but I would put this game right there with Days Gone as a game that your vehicle is kind of part of your companion as well. If you were Days Gone, you had to worry about your motorcycle. Same thing with this car. It never feels like a hindrance. I've always enjoyed it. I like the fact that you can't destroy the car. You just have to get out in enough time for chum bucket to actually fix it but it just it's a really cool mechanic that they have there so i've definitely been enjoying mad max i can't wait to see where the game takes me forward but last week i told you as i issued a challenge out to hulk and yoda to complete assassin's creed valhalla he responded to that and he challenged me he challenged me to go and complete resident evil 6 if you guys remember i started that a few weeks ago back at the end of september i believe i was kind of excited about it and I kind of quickly lost my excitement the more I got into it. I started seeing why people didn't like the game as much. But a challenge is a challenge, and I am always up to try it out. And ultimately, at the end of the day, so you guys know, we're not looking at this as a way to win over each other or hold it over each other's heads. It's kind of a way for us to almost, if you will, get out of our comfort zone. We have our game plan, and we're focused on that. we got our friends sitting there going, hey, you should do this. Now, these challenges are going to take many different forms over the next several months, but it's just a way to kind of, again, get our buddy to try something new, try something he hadn't tried. So, Hulking Yoda wanted me to really go back and give Resident Evil 6 a shot. So, you know what? I said, okay. And started playing it again. And gamers, I just, I'm not going to lie to you. I may try it again, but I just can't do it. I do not like the way this game is built around co-op. Like, I don't understand it. Like, you can have co-op in a game that doesn't change the way you play the game single player. They didn't get it in this game. They didn't get it at all. I'm playing as Leon, and the way it really cripples you is the game wants you to kind of do... If you remember Gears of War, in Gears of War, if you get shot too much, you'll drop to a knee, and one of your buddies can come pick you up. It happens in single player, it happens in multiplayer, but the thing about that is, is you know it's coming because you're not covering, you're not doing anything, you're kind of getting in the open and getting shot. In this game, the way they do that is they just have zombies or dogs or whatever it be lurch at you. And you don't even see it coming half the time. If you do, there's not really a lot you can actually do to stop it. And they knock you down. And when you're on the ground, you can't do crap until your partner comes over and picks you up. So if you're single player, you're waiting on the AI. And it just is such a slog because 
there's no stopping to it. I mean, there was one time I was playing it where it was three times back to back to back. I never really got hurt. It didn't take a lot of my life away, but I just sat there on the ground like, come on, this is not fun. Ultimately, I was just way too frustrated. So I said, okay, uh, I don't know about this. So while this is not the challenge, and I won't say that I'm waving the white flag on the challenge this month, I will say that it led me out of my comfort zone. So I'm still kind of embracing what the challenge is all about. And I've started playing Resident Evil Zero. Now I've only put a couple hours into it. And I have to tell you, oh man, I wish I would have picked this game up instead of Resident Evil 6 a couple months ago. Because I got to tell you, after Resident Evil 8, I really just wanted a game to kind of scratch my itch. And I wanted it to be like a Resident Evil game. And that's not what 6 is. It's not what really what 8 is. But this game is scratching that itch. I mean, there's puzzles. I actually really do enjoy the fact that you have Rebecca and you have Billy. I love switching between the two. I think it's done really well. I mean, it's just hitting the triangle and you just instantly switch. They haven't got cumbersome. I love the fact that you can sit there and, you know, at one point I was trying as Rebecca to go to this typewriter, but Billy was in the way. What's really cool is you just move the right analog stick and you can move Billy. And I moved him right out of the way so I could walk up and do that. I didn't have to switch to him anything. I just could move him out of the way. I love the fact that you can make them walk with you. You can make them stay somewhere. It's just really cool, really well done. But at the end of the day, it feels like Resident Evil. Now, I'm not that far into it. I'm still on the actual train that you start off in. But I can tell you, I have definitely enjoyed it. And I think I'll be seeing the credits roll on Resident Evil Zero. Now, with that being said, I skipped it last month. But I'm bringing it back this month. What is my trophy of the month? Gamers, not going to lie. Anytime you get a platinum, it's always a cool thing. To get a platinum in a game like Shinmu that... I didn't play when it originally came out. I didn't have a Dreamcast. It's been one of these games that people have talked about for years. But to actually go through it, to play it, to enjoy it, and then yes, to get that Platinum, it just feels good. Now, I will have a review for that game coming out in the next couple of weeks, so be on the lookout for that. But my trophy of the month, Shinmu, the Platinum Trophy. So gamers, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love to know your thoughts on Assassin's Creed Infinity. I'd love to know what you thought about my thoughts. I'd love to know what you would like to see from its release when we kind of start getting those bits of details of what we're going to look at. And as always, you can reach me at thegraveyardgamer@gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at thegraveyardgamer, or you can find me on Twitter at thegraveyardg. Till next time, I'll be creeping around the graveyard. Yeah.